We are fortunate to have this man here. David Caldwell graduated magna cum laude from LSU in English and Russian. He has a law degree from Tulane University in 2000. David sold books for seven summers, in addition to selling in both a fall and spring selling program. Fall and spring. And ran the LSU book selling org during his summers in law school. After his law school graduation, David worked as a prosecutor for 16 years, tried a wide range of violent felony and high-profile white-collar jury trials. David served as deputy director of the criminal division, 150 employees investigated and prosecuted criminal cases statewide, as well as the head of the public corruption and special prosecutions unit for the Louisiana Attorney General's office for eight years. He's now the general counsel for the Louisiana Department of Insurance, which regulates multi-billion dollar insurance industry. Big round of applause, Mr. David Caldwell. Well, look, thank y'all for having me. I mean, to make it through COVID and to break records in the way that y'all did, I mean, I'm going to tell you, that's, uh, that's strong. That's powerful. From all of us that have come before you that are not, you know, with the company on a day-to-day fashion, I want to tell you that's, uh, that's strong, right? Now, we didn't have cell phones back in my day, so just, but still, I think that y'all came out of that, uh, that pretty well. I don't think... The rest of the presentation that I'm about to give is going to be necessarily conducive to first-year students or parents. And the reason why is because recruiting is hard, and I remember it. It's been 22 years since I've been out on the book field. 2000 was my last selling experience when I went out after law school and sold in Nebraska because I thought I might not pass the bar, right? There we go. But um, I sold for seven summers. I ran an organization uh, probably from my fourth summer at LSU on. I recruited. Sometimes I did better than others getting recruits. I mean, what y'all have to realize and keep in perspective, and perspective is what I'm mainly here for you today, is that you guys are in a crowd with like ultra competent people. I mean, if you bring out four, five, seven, eight, two, whatever, and you got, and you look at somebody who's bringing out 20, yeah, I mean, they're killing it. They're doing a great job, but it's a very small group of people. I mean, if you go out into the normal world and y'all spread out, I mean, you're going to be the top at whatever you do. So I think that when we sell books and when we recruit, you know, I know that back in the day, I would um, I'd kind of be hard on myself because I would look at people that were doing better, and we, we all try as hard as we can. And I think for me, and looking at it with, with the benefit of a, a little bit of perspective, I would always get frustrated. I mean, I was so bought into Southwestern and the money that I made and what it did for me as a person while I was in school that when somebody didn't really buy into that, like a first year or somebody would, you know, take off on me, not show up, come to a meeting, you know, walk out. For me, that was a very personal thing. It was almost like, you know, why can't I, why, you know, I've led the horse. Here you are, horse. Here's the water. This is the best thing you should be doing right now. Why, why won't you do it, you know? <laughs> but you can't shake them and go, hey, you know, do this, you know? And I think in, in looking back on it, part of that was because I just knew internally that this was the best thing to be doing. But I wasn't out in the world, you know? I didn't have, me personally didn't have that credibility, and maybe that affected my belief a little bit. And so to be able to transfer that to another student or another parent, 
I think ultimately what it became about is somebody who doesn't want to do this job, you can't really talk them into it. And somebody who does, you can't really talk them out of it. I mean, I'm sure you've heard that before. For us, I mean, we want to do the best we can. We want to get everybody. We don't like it when we spend time and they're gone or we have a bunch of people and then a bunch of them flake on us. So what I figured I could do for you is just to offer you a little bit of perspective on how this job and this experience specifically helped me in my career with some lessons that I've learned and maybe in a way that you haven't heard it before because we all could, look, we could all sit down for hours and just swap stories. I mean, I could, I've got plenty of stories, good, bad, and different on the book field that are funny, uh, inspirational, recruiting stories, all those kind of things. But what I wanted to do is to talk to you a little bit about how this really affected and it helped me. And so one of the things that I'll tell you about is, okay, so I'm in law school. I am uh, I'm a third year in law school. I'm still selling books. And uh, one of the things I got to do is get like a clerkship during the year. I didn't clerk during the summer because I was making the most money of any of the law students during the summer selling books, right? This, we're making them, except for one guy who was a medical doctor who went back to law school. But I mean, who does that? He doesn't really count. That's not fair. I was making the most money. All the others going to those fancy firms. I was out slogging it, selling books, uh, killing it, right? But I go in, but so I've got to get a clerkship. And so it was at the DA's office uh, over in Jefferson Parish. And a guy named Terry Boudreaux who ran the appellate division, I gave him my resume. He looks at my resume. I've got a nice GPA from undergraduate, you know, have some interesting things, doing some stuff in law school, moot court, whatever. Uh, but, you know, guess what he asked me about? Tell me about this book selling job. Tell me about that, right? So I did, you know, and we, we spent the whole interview talking about it. And you know what he said? What do you think the first question they have when they find out about the program? You know, you tell them a little bit about the program. What do you think? How did you find a place to live? Now, I know that y'all get referrals, and we did back in the day, but I will tell you the experience of going and knocking on somebody's door and talking to them and asking them for a place to live, I know that we have a great system. I still know the talk. In fact, I would give it in the interviews. I, I, today, like I could go out and I couldn't tell them I was a student at LSU, you know. But I would encourage if you don't do that now that you actually go out and do that because it's a really great way to meet people. And plus, when you're in the interview, you know how some things with first years, you have to, in parents, you have to kind of soft pedal a little bit. You know, you got to kind of soft sell. The place to live things just was back in the day, and it, it was really the thing. I mean, everybody was scared of it. But when you're in a job interview, you can scare the bejesus out of the person <laughs> that's interviewing you, you know? And then they're telling you, the person, the guy, the gal, or whoever that is responsible for making a decision on employment looks at you and says, I don't know if I could do that. Where are we in this dynamic, and how, how is that said? And it's, and it's in a business context. Uh, when I interviewed for my very first real job coming out of uh, law schools with the district attorney's office in Baton Rouge, I really wanted to be a prosecutor. My dad was a prosecutor for a long time in the uh, parish I grew up in, and I had a knack for it because of the whole book-selling experience. Well, I'm in the interview with the first assistant, uh, John Sinkerfield, and the DA at the time, Doug Morrow, and they're talking to me about you know, the job. And of course they say, tell me about this book selling thing that you did. Right. So I tell them. And the first assistant, John Sinkafield, knew a guy in uh, Baton Rouge, Muhammad Khan, who had sold books a long, long time ago. And he's like, man, 
that's a great job. You know what? If you can do that, you can do anything. So we had a great interview, and then the boss, uh, the DA, said, well, David, it was great uh, meeting you, and, uh, you know, we'll let you know kind of thing. And the first assistant goes, David, can you excuse us for a minute? You walk outside. I sat outside, and I came back in, and he said, all right, we want to offer you the job right right there. It was because of the... But it kept, but it's funny because then there was like a three there's like a three or four month delay when I was going to go to work and so I caught up with them and uh, the the people that were working there I'd never met during the summer they was like and they pulled me I was like eh, tell them what you did during the summer you know so the book thing got around then when I did my formal introduction to the DA's office uh, when they stood up in front of a group of people it was probably about forty or fifty they said hey this is David oh David tell them what you did during the summer. <laughs> It just never went away. I would say probably for the first 10 to 12 years. I mean, I've been out for uh, 20, away from selling books for 22 years. And I would say probably for the first 10 to 15 years. I mean, it was just a topic. And then I could always work it in. And of course, you run into people who've done the job. One of my rookies that I took with me to South Carolina, who's one of my best friends now, every time we, we go out with his work people, he's got, he's sold one summer and he's got his book stories. And we always have to you know, we always have to talk about those. In particular, the time when he was delivering books and he had his fanny pack on and he was in some crappy car and the police pulled him over and thought he was a drug dealer. You know, it's a whole, it's a whole great, it's a great story. And that was like a month ago. That wasn't like, we're st ever, I'm serious, every time we do it. But look, when I started actually taking on jury cases, and I've, I've had a great opportunity to try cases in both Louisiana and Texas, like all over the state, particularly in Louisiana, uh, very serious cases, but I'm going to tell you how the experience of book selling and recruiting specifically relates to the practice of law. So one of the things that you see or that you do not see on TV when you see these shows like CSI, you know, you pick any one of these legal shows is selecting a jury, right? It is the most important part of the case. It, it happens before the trial starts. You have a group of between 20 and 40 people in a room and what you have to do is these are people that you have some basic biographical information on that you've never met before a lot of whom do not really want to be there they're not excited and you have to convince them of your point of view in a way you're selling them while you're also selecting them right does that sound like anything you guys have to do? I, I tell you, I was sitting in there. I, I'll never forget my first jury trial. There was a row of, you know, 12, 14, 16, and they had like 30 in the back. And so I'm facing here, and I've got their biographical information, and I looked at each one of them like their stuff. I'm like, I've already been in your house. Like, I know. Because you know when you sell books, you get to a point to where you see your pre-approach, you walk in a house, you take a look at the shelves, and you know what the objections are going to be, right? Pretty much. And, you, and, and, and where I think you get really good and efficient is, is being able to ferret through what the real deal is, right, with those people. So, but I'm sitting there, and this is my first trial, and I, I am a little nervous because I hadn't done that before. But the one thing that was going through my mind is that, you know what? None of these people can stampede because they have to be there by law. They cannot walk out the door. So I was, I was excited none of them could get up and leave. And I was like, and that, because if you've ever been stampeded, so I'm glad to have had that experience as well. 
gave me a lot of confidence in um, trying uh, cases. But look, that whole experience was a plug-and-play experience from book selling into the practice of law into a very difficult part. I mean, trying cases is probably the most difficult difficult thing, at least to be able to do it, do it well and to be an advocate. Um, and I even used some of the book jokes, right? We were, I was in a jury trial one time and a lady's cell phone goes off, you know, in the box while I'm questioning and I kind of turned, I said, if it's for me, I'll call them right back, right? She did not like that. We had to put that one away. You know, you have your successes and you have your, uh, you have your failures. So with the jury trial experience, and I had, I had a lot of that and, you know, kind of time, time went on. I moved uh, to Texas back in uh, 2016. But, you know, when I got there, um, I had been, I, I'd been a prosecutor for a long time. I'd pretty much done everything you could do. But, you know, I wasn't licensed to practice in Texas. I mean, it's obviously in order to do that, you have to have a license like a doctor or anything else. So I moved to Dallas and I just pulled the parachute. I mean, I didn't know anybody, but I knew that there was opportunity there. And, um, and I ended up doing fine. You know, I ended up getting licensed and, uh, you know, running a practice and making money and doing all the things that you would expect somebody uh, to have success doing and really it was just based on the fact that I knew like I can't tell you the number of times in my life that this job has and the experience from it has given me the strength to really push forward uh, professionally or personally just because when you know that you've done something hard and difficult you can do other other things and I think it really hits home when you're not around all of your book buddies all the time and you know and people aren't pumping you up all the time and then you become the one in the office who you know hey everybody get excited get fired up you know we let's go you know you're the one that is leading those other people so i had a nice experience there before coming back here and what i do now with the department of insurance um executive council so i hire people. I run the legal division for insurance. I can tell you, I draw daily from my experience. You know, when you're out on the book field, this is hard. You've got to make, it's up to you to make the job what it is, right? You got to figure out a way to make this thing fun. You know, you got to mess with people, right? Whatever, whatever you need to do to take this activity and really make it your own. And we spent a lot of time with that, but I do that. I do that now. So what I've had to do at the Department of Insurance is I have to create this environment that where people want to come to work, where they feel like they're part of something, and where it's based on the the, you know, the personality office. And so some of the talk that was given previously, that's exactly what I'm doing, and we're creating it. And, you know, people will come and be with you for reasons other than money. And it's especially challenging in state government where the perception of people in state government or is not, you know, they kind of lazy or don't do whatever. But in our department, in our division, we have people that do a very good job because they want to they wanna be around. They want to be a part of that. And, and, and I've had to spearhead that with the help of some of the other people in the department. But what I've done that's different is I use my recruiting skills. I, I, I go out, I will call people that already have jobs that I want, and I'll call them and try to get them and talk them into. And I don't always get a yes. I don't always get the interest. But words around that, hey, these people want people to be here. They want to be part of something different. This is the kind of thing that when those of you who 
get out into the world, that's what you're going to be responsible for. It's going to be what, what you're in charge of. You're going to be in charge. I mean, there is no person with a red cape. There is no Superman. If things are going to change, if things are going to get better, it's going to be up to us. I've always said that. You know, my white collar division at the attorney general's office, you're looking at one third of it. We covered the entire state. Uh, the division that we had that we prosecuted and, uh, and, and had cases that were prosecuted on a national level that were in the news, those things were simply because a couple of people got together and decided that we needed to do the right thing and that we were going to have the perseverance and the fortitude to carry it through. Those are the same decisions that you're making now, that you're doing. So I want to tell you from somebody who's been gone for, from this thing for 22 years and, and who has no reason to tell you anything but the truth, is that right now you are in the place, the exact place you are supposed to be doing the exact thing that you should be doing. And you should not apologize to anybody for that. As long as you're doing what you're supposed to be doing and you're learning, you're going to get there. It's just so hard to translate that until you've actually experienced it with a little bit of perspective. So I hope that gives you a little bit of what, just a little taste, you know. Now, what I'm good at is if somebody calls me, I, you know, especially like with the law stuff or a parent, you know, I've got the credibility so I can tell them, hey, you know, it's not a scam and this is when talk them up. And sometimes it, you know, it helps. But it's really their confidence in you. What you are going to be razor sharp in is being able to look at a problem and figure out a way to solve it. You may not have all the answers, but you know how to ask the right questions. And that comes from just the very simple thing of your tire getting blown out while you're out there selling books. You just have these things come up and you learn how to approach them. And then ultimately, it's not that big of a deal as long as you keep your sense of presence about yourself, right? And so... I have to say that all of the leadership conveyed that just simply by being the people who they are. And you don't see that every day out in the real world. You are the people that will be that one day. Trust me. I will leave you with one story that I, that I always have liked. So my first summer, uh, I did, real, did pretty well for the time. I was like number 26 rookie or whatever. I mean, it, it was I didn't blow it out the water. But I went to... For the spring semester, I went to Moscow. I studied there. Uh, that was part of my Russian uh, degree program. And I guess I did some studying. But I'm just going to say, and I was always a real hard worker, my head was spinning. when I, I mean, I had put on probably 15, 20. I mean, I was drinking all the time. I mean, but it was what they do in Russia, right? It was, it was fun. We were drinking, eating, you know, do, doing what you do on those exchange trips. You don't really learn too much, right? So I came into sales school, and actually I came in a week later than, than the LSU group, and we were all going to Wisconsin. So I had to uh, train that week with the Texas slash uh, Florida group. And when I did, um, they assigned me this guy. His, his, his name was Sam. And I think he was out of the Florida group. Sam was about three inches taller than me, had a big forehead. I mean, just like curly burly hair sam he when he walked he kind of he, he he was big guy you know he, he wasn't fat but he was just big so if you if you looked up oaf in the dictionary he would be a candidate for that picture i'm serious so i'm in sales school my head's out of it i'm, I'm i'll be honest i mean i, I really had to, I, I was struggling because i just you know because i had been gone and i really hadn't been around anybody so they assigned me to sam and when I'm trying to teach Sam the approach, it used to be, 
Hi, Miss Jones. My name is Sam. I just have a quick minute, so let me tell you what I'm doing. Um, I've been talking to all the families out here, right? We spent, I'm, I'm not kidding, an entire day on that first sentence and a half of the approach. And we still, he still had to learn to talk and all this other stuff. And I mean, it was, it was brutal. We made it through about the first uh, paragraphs. So I was talking to him. I was a little frustrated. And um, he said, David, he said, let me tell you a story. He said, I was in, uh, I was in high school. Uh, and I was playing, I played football and I was a defense, I was a nose guard and my coach would tell me to go right and I'd go left and the coach get mad. He, he said, and the coach said, man, you sure are dumb. And Sam looked at me. He goes, you know, David, he said, uh, I'm too dumb to quit. And I said, you know what? You're right. <laughs> you are right. Cause I had spent like a lot of time with him. Now, I, I didn't give up on him. Sam goes, uh, Sam goes to Ohio. I didn't hear from him again. I was up in Wisconsin, had an okay summer. Come back to check out, going through my stuff. And um, I look over and uh, there was Sam. Sam walked up to me and he said, I have been waiting for you for three days to tell you that I thought about you every day. You told me not to quit, which I did. And I didn't give up. He didn't kill it. But he hung in there. And I think out of all of the things that I think about in my book uh, career, that really sticks with me. And what I want to leave you with is you don't realize the impact that you can have on people. But you need to understand that you're, you do not realize the level of influence and the impact you have. And all you have to do is to be yourself and do what you're supposed to do. You may never have it. You may never have anybody come up to you. You may. I mean, I've had it since then, you know, in, in, in those types of instances. But it doesn't matter. You, the impact that you're having and what you're doing is going to uh, benefit you in ways that you really can't imagine that you can't talk about. But 10 years from now, five years from now, whenever you're done, you will be, you know, and then you'll be up here. You'll be telling, telling folks. And so... I will just say this, um, look, do what you're doing, take the folks with you that, that want to go, do the best you can with them, and, uh, you know, let's, let's continue to build something here, you know. We're rooting for you, right? We're rooting for you. You're it. We're rooting for you. We're pushing for you. Thanks.